Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Greenspud graduated from undergrad right during the height of the Great Recession in 2008. Learn how he was able to land an equity research position at an investment bank, what he did when things went south, and how he was able to pivot to a new career as a software developer. He explains his stint trading for himself and how he was able to make a quick $10,000, but that the psychology behind trading led him down a dangerous path. Some very important lessons about culture and timing in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, member Greenspud, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. So it'd be great if you could give the listeners just a quick summary of your background. Well, I am a uh, Indiana University Business School graduate. And during the 2008 financial crisis, I worked for just under a year as an equity research associate for an investment bank mm-hmm. in the sell side. And since then, I've worked my way over to being a uh, software engineer. And nowadays, I make web applications. Very cool. So you were basically graduating at the worst possible time. <laughs> oh, God, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> You graduated from undergrad in 08, um, so I assume that was, you know, May of 2000, or, you know, May or June of 2008, which we were in the right in the heart of it. Yep. Um, so yeah. tell me about, like, what you were thinking coming out of there and uh, how you even landed a, a job in general um, at that investment bank. Can you tell me about that that, that recruiting process and how you kind yeah. of got that? Well, well I have to say that uh, it was beginning in the middle of 2007, the job market actually started getting really tough if you want to be in the money management field or the investment banking field. So uh, I think it was, let's see, was it was it beginning of two, January 2008? Uh, the um, uh, or was it 2007? I don't I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But around the time you started having the subprime uh, lending companies, they they started to blow up. There was one called Novastar Financial. I actually was. Uh, watching the stock because it had a 15% dividend yield at the time. Wow. But I, I remember when that one blew up and it seemed to be like a one-time thing. And then a month later you had Bear Stearns blow up and go under and that was a huge deal. You know, a big investment bank. I mean, that wasn't supposed to happen, right? Right. Uh, but around that time, like I was interested in working in the investment management field uh, I was interested in equity research, 
And it started to get really tough because I was doing all the networking, uh, meeting people in the industry, and I even had interviews lined up. And just one by one, like every list, every bank on my list, they I had to cross them off because there was a hiring freeze at every single place. Right. So I was very illiterate in, in the computer field. I was really into like the whole story of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and everything. My favorite movie was, uh, well, one of my favorite movies is called The Pirates of Silicon Valley, which mm-hmm. is about that story of them starting their companies. And uh, I wanted to work in the computer field. So I went to Purdue uh, to study um, computer information systems, and I felt like that program wasn't a good fit for me because I already taught myself how to write software. I, I knew how to do some .NET stuff and, and write Windows applications. So, so entry level, that stuff was really basic for me. Uh, the finance sort of stuff uh, you know, in that program – there was an accounting class I took. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, it was uh, towards the end of my first year at Purdue, I decided to transfer to Indiana University in Bloomington. So I made that transfer there. But because of the, the way the credits lined up in, in the transfer, yeah. I actually had to spend an extra year uh, in undergrad. So I, had, I was like a five-year undergrad. Got it. And it was, um, it was my fourth year that I was actually – started to learn more about like the investment banking industry and, and the types of jobs available there. Uh, and a professor recommended that I look into equity research. So it was around then I started exploring the equity research field and learning how to meet people and the networking thing. And so you did, you didn't and, start till senior year. Like yep. that sounds super late. So you didn't have internships in finance or anything like that. It was just, no, I, I actually did not manage to get an internship. Got I, it. I actually started a little bit too late. And so did you have internships and other stuff that you were able to point to or put a resume together for? Yeah, I did actually. Um, through one of my scholarships, uh, I was able to um, get the connections to get an internship at a company in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, where I worked in their IT department and I was doing programming stuff there. Got it. So you at least had something on your resume. Right. <laughs> So you, yeah, you could, I had some work experience. Yeah, I, I had I had summer jobs and, and such. So, so how did you even uh, so land? I was good in that respect, but I just uh, I just didn't have something in the financial industry. So how did you even land the the interviews for finance if you didn't have if you had more comp size stuff? Do you think people respected that, or how how should the listeners think about that? How you know if you're coming from a well, totally different field? Well, I I had to be really aggressive. Um, in, in using the network uh, and the alumni network and uh, just talking to people. And uh, I, I was really, I, I really liked stocks. That, that was something that um, was an interest of mine even before college as well, along with computers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working really hard to do financial modeling, you know, learn that and um, uh, do my own little stock analysis and, and try to pitch stocks and and just um so when you, you were know, when you to people so there were how to get into the industry so there was nothing about like uh, online or on campus recruiting there was nothing about 
that really helped you is really just the alumni network, networking, and were you meeting mostly people around school? Were you flying places? Were you always including like a pitch in your first email to them, or how did you kind of structure that? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so, so there was a lot of campus recruiting going on, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people in my class did get placements that way. Yep. Uh, it, it just happened to be that for me, the, the way that worked for me was going to the alumni network and uh and doing sort of one-on-one conversations um uh, indiana university they have a uh a special class mm-hmm. that's really selective called the uh investment banking and capital markets workshop yeah that's kind of like a little career class that uh kind of preps you for the wall street sort of interviews and so and i managed to get into that uh class is that competitive to get into yeah, it's pretty competitive. So why do you think you got in, even with all that comp sci background? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I I did a uh, a little side project that w- actually was really useful for the school. Uh, I started this student organization mm-hmm. it's called the Mad Money Club. And remember back around 2006, uh, you know, the TV show Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that yeah yeah that that was really popular. Then it still is popular, but I mean, it it was like really fresh new stuff. And he was doing this college tour Mm -hmm. and um, I got a group of students together and we actually reached out to CNBC and uh, did a pitch to Jim Cramer and got him to come out and do a show for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. So So, yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much put together, spearheaded the whole uh, campus uh, effort to uh, get the Indiana University on the college tour. So they, that was kind of seen by the administration or whoever was the leaders of that organization as enough to, to yeah, get you in. Yeah, they, they were pretty impressed with that. So, so they let me get in the uh, capital markets workshop. Cool. So you're, you're in that workshop, you're learning about finance, you're learning about modeling, you're kind of start putting together some pitches. Are you leading with those pitches like for specific stocks when you're kind of trying to do these coffee chats or are you just trying to get informal coffee chats with alumni and then bringing a pitch with you? How are you doing that? Well, that was some time ago, so I, I don't remember exactly how individual conversations went. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I let me think. A, a lot of the conversations I had were more so like, um, you know, I'll email somebody, say, hey, I, I'm going to be visiting New York to uh, uh, meet a few people there, and uh, you want to go grab some coffee? Right. And, you know, I... I uh, you know, some analysts that I contacted, um, you know, if, if they'd have coffee with me and, uh, I just asked them about what they do and what their job was like and, and, uh, more general questions. Um, you know, I, I don't remember if those coffee conversations ever got like too technical. Like I, I don't think it got really technical unless I was, uh, in, in like an actual interview interview. Right. And then from those kind of coffee chats, you managed to land, what, just a couple interviews at banks and you ended up with one, one offer or how did, how did that work in terms of like, as you were, as you were, um, as you're crossing banks off your list, it must started getting pretty stressful, right? Like, cause you're like thinking. (laughs) It was getting pretty stressful. Uh, in fact, I, I even graduated without an offer in hand. Okay. Uh, I didn't get an offer until two weeks after I graduated. Mm, wow. That must've been a relief. Yeah. Yeah. It was very relieving. Yeah. So tell me like, uh, so you're crossing banks off. You're still 
kind of interviewing or networking and tell me how that final kind of how, how you ended up with that that actual offer how tell me that process well uh one of our uh, alums uh i he, he was an analyst at this bank mm -hmm. uh they they were looking to expand coverage of uh, the companies in the healthcare space that they were covering mm -hmm. uh it was actually healthcare information technology so he liked the fact that i was familiar with the the whole IT, IT world, uh, healthcare IT is a little bit different, a little more specialized, but I, I basically had like the aptitude to understand right. uh, the industry pretty well. Right. Uh, he liked that. And, uh, you know, I came out to the, came out to the investment bank and uh, did like a, an interview with the director of research and a few other people there. And they liked me enough to hire me as an associate. And what was that interview like? Was it was it like technical? Did they ask you to pitch a pitch a stock to them, and, or what was that like? Uh, you know, I honestly don't remember because that was so long. No, ago. yeah, it's almost it's um, like over a, a ten lot years of ago. it was personality fit type of questions. Got it. Uh, but then you know the, there was like the basic, uh, you know, what what's an income statement, what, what's a cash flow statement, those sort of things. And were you up against a lot of other people for this position at this point, or did you feel like you had a pretty good end? I, I don't think so because um you know i i think when you uh find a job by word of mouth uh, and uh it's yeah. not through like a, a process like a, like a recruitment pipeline yep i think your odds are a lot better because you, you're face to face with the people that you'll be working with right there and um, yeah that's a key takeaway and, and I, I, that's I a key that, takeaway yeah cut down the number of competitors i had yeah for sure that's a key takeaway just being able to you know find jobs that are off market almost uh, you get a, you get a much better odds yeah. of actually landing them so so you get there you, you start the job what pretty soon after you graduate then you know you got the offer two weeks after i assume you start pretty soon after that um are you mm -hmm. what's your impression you get there you start immediately start covering these other companies is there a lot of training how tell us tell us a little bit about that as an equity research associate what what the life life is like oh man yeah uh so when i got into the job uh it was really tough because, you know, I'm just like a 22 year old kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, uh, no real world experience in these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just had to kind of wing it, you know, that it was uh, a tremendous amount of information to learn. Um, and, and then, you know, that like the industry itself is really specialized. Uh, I, I had to, um, even get like a, like a couple of textbooks about, you know how healthcare IT fits in hospital operations. It was it was like uh, like something that you would get if you were taking a degree in that. Like like I kind of skimmed through that book just to understand uh, what all the different parts of a hospital are and the different types of systems that they use. Got and it. Then, Got it. Uh, okay. You know there there are a few players in that space. We covered I think it was like fifteen different companies. Uh, and you know, they're kind of obscure companies. It's not like Google or Microsoft that, that everybody knows it, it's, it's really, uh, it, their names that unless you work in the industry, you probably haven't heard of them. Stuff like, like Cerner or, uh, McKesson, which is a big drug wholesaler that has an IT yep. uh, division. Um, you know, uh, there's all scripts, mm -hmm. um, you know, th those are probably lesser known companies by the general public, but they make very specialized software and they're using hospitals and physician clinics everywhere. 
Got it. And so this this was a kind of a new space that the bank wanted to get coverage on, and you were tasked with kind of learning this space really well. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So so it it was a lot of just basic research, uh, digging through all the uh, the uh, 10Ks and um, mm-hmm. the financial filings, investor day presentations, and everything. Was looking at all the conference call transcripts. It was a lot of information. And on top of that, uh, I was also having to spend time to study for the uh, the uh, regulatory licensing. So you have the Series 7, uh, 63, 86, and 87, I think it was for me. Mm-hmm. So I had to take four exams. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a lot of work, very, very intense. Very intense, very stressful. So you, how many hours do you think you were putting in initially? I, I was easily, you know, on a on a light week, I was probably doing about 60 hours. But right. uh, then again, um, if we had earnings, if it was earnings season, mm-hmm. gosh, that that was grueling because we ha- I had some companies they come out with an earnings release at like six in the morning, oh, and you know, so I I, ha- I have to be in the office like all getting all ready for that at like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know you write your reports and everything, and and then uh, it's there's a lot going on that day, and then sometimes the same day you have multiple companies reporting in the evening, <laughs> so then uh, oh. you get like a few more like around five o'clock to six o'clock, uh, and then um, they're like writing reports on an earnings release all the way until like like 11 or, or I don't, I don't know how late I, you know, I was so tired. I didn't, wasn't even looking at the clock anymore. So <laughs> on a week like that, I probably did like 80 hours or so. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like uh, typical banking hours, but equity research tend to, mm-hmm. tends to have better hours, but like it can fluctuate and get, get up there um, in those earnings, yeah, earnings yeah. seasons. So, okay. So that's, that's interesting. And, and the pay, was it uh, pretty, you know, back in 08, I'm assuming your base is around 65, 75, something like that. Does that sound about right? No, it, I was I was actually higher than that. Oh, great. Okay, so was the bonus was, that, yeah. was the bonus? Uh, yeah, the the well. bonus. It wasn't a really big bonus, mm-hmm. but it was something. But here's the thing about working in that industry is, um, uh, in New York City, uh, and not only that, but because you're working so many hours, you, you pretty much have to live on the island somewhere. Yep. Uh, and, and your choice is either you're going to try to save on rent by living in a really dangerous place that's kind of scary <laughs> if you're from another city. Right. Uh, and, and maybe maybe has a high number of cockroaches per square inch. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, you, you could live in a slightly more comfortable place. I mean, the, uh, the place I was living in is uh, the, the entire apartment was about the size of the little office that I'm in right now talking. I mean, that was like my whole house there. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, I was paying was like $1,900 a month for that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then food gets expensive. So your money goes really quick. Like you, you could make a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and, you know, as a college student, as coming out of undergraduate, Oh yeah, that's a lot of money. I'm going to get so rich. Mm-hmm. And then you spend all that money on rent and food, yep. and uh, it doesn't feel like a whole lot of money after that. Yeah, after a whole year of work, you're it's left probably with, even more expensive now. <laughs> you're left with like you know fifteen thousand or ten thousand dollars after tax after a whole year of work or something. Like that. <laughs> 
you know, yeah, yeah, and then, you know. then get ringed by cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you're basically, um, so you, you come out of school. It's really hard. So, tell me. I assume you eventually hit your stride. You know, six months in, or you, you know, what made you kind of think, hey, it's it's time to move on, or what? What was that thought process? Yeah. So uh, during the financial crisis, I ended up losing my job okay. uh, along with my boss. And, um, at that point, uh, I did have some family problems going on too. Uh, my, my dad passed away, uh, just a, a couple of years before and my mom was having financial problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to go home and help out with those things. Uh, and aside from that, uh, I just, I actually hated New York city <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I didn't, uh, I just didn't feel like searching for another job in New York. Um, I wanted to go back to uh, the Chicago area mm-hmm. uh, where I'm originally from, uh, and uh, and not only that, but but the hours were pretty intense, and um, you know I I didn't know what to expect in my next job. I, I didn't know if all jobs had hours like that or not. Yep. Uh, but so you know I packed up my things and and left New York, and uh, and moved home for a few months while I searched for a new job. Got it. So yeah, you, it was basically a financial crisis got worse and worse. Your boss lost his job, you lost your job. And so eventually it was kind of like a a chance to reset, get back home, help your mom, um, do all these things Uh you wanted to do anyway. So uh, tell me about that transition and kind of what brought you back to computers. Well, uh, it was, uh, it was really nice to be back home for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I traded my job search like uh, as if I was like actually working. So I like get up first thing in the morning and I'd spend the entire day uh, looking for job postings uh, and doing the, um, doing the networking thing, you know, like it was like a full eight hour a day job. Right. Uh, and probably, I probably spend a lot more time than that actually on it. And here's, here's a cool thing about uh, the whole, um, thing that you know like if you want to get a wall street job like like they typically teach students like how to like reach out to somebody and and uh say hey let's go on a a coffee date and 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 just talk and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that works in every industry you know it's it's not just wall street jobs but but anywhere that you want to work that's actually the best way of finding work and um so I was kind of doing that, but I was really open-minded. I wasn't just stuck on investment management at that time right. because, you know, the jobs are very scarce. Uh, my goal was just getting something that paid a decent salary and would give me some experience mm-hmm. uh, so that opens up more doors. Right. And I found a, uh, you know, I, I was just, I, one of the areas I started with was my industry. So I was like, okay, I'm really familiar with the healthcare IT industry. I'm going to try finding companies in that space and, and try to talk to people there. Uh, so I actually, uh, uh, through LinkedIn, found a finance manager at one of the major healthcare IT vendors. Uh, and we, we had a conversation, and the initial phone conversation was mainly just like, Hey, could you tell me what it's like to work in corporate finance? And, you know, we, we just we just had fun talking about that stuff for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, he he, he gave me a call. And it's like, hey, uh, I'm starting up this, uh, this project in the corporate finance department. We're going to be doing like an audit 
of contracts and the financial repercussions of that. And, and uh, I'm going to be hiring like about five people as contractors to do this. Uh, you want to join the team? So I said, sure. So I, uh, I, uh, what the project was, was this company, they have, oh, sometimes multi-million dollar contracts, uh, you know, anywhere from between like a few thousand dollars to millions of dollars mm-hmm. uh, in contracts with various hospital systems. Mm-hmm. And what was going on in that project was their internal operational process was in such disarray that they actually forgot to send out a whole bunch of bills. So yep. uh, the contract uh, has, has statements that when they achieve certain implementation milestones, they have to send out a bill. And what was going on at this company was there was bad communication between the people on the field and the people in the finance department. So the finance department wasn't aware that certain projects met their implementation goals. Right. So they never billed their clients. Right. And uh, what the team I was on was doing is we were auditing, I want to say it was like $25 million worth of contracts. Um, yeah, it's it some, somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Uh, just looking, just reading the contracts and then sending emails out to the project manager working on that implementation. Hey, did you achieve this yet? Where are you guys at? And then, and then just marking it accordingly and, and figuring out if we have to make any sort of uh, billing adjustment. That makes sense. So you guys were helping collect <laughs> pretty, pretty important. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were collectors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty important job. So, okay. So you're doing that for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, I, I did. I did that for, uh, gosh, it was. A year and a half almost. A that? while, like. Uh, I think I was there for over a year Yeah. because this billing project was going on and then midway through it, they actually hired me on as a permanent employee mm-hmm. uh, and I ended up managing the contracts department for a while. Wow. And so were you able to help your mom in this situation? You know, you're bringing in a decent salary, lower cost of living area. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we got her financial uh, things uh, sorted out. Um, good. You know, my, my mom, she was uh, uh, of the age of, that she was eligible for Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that, that really helped us out. But we got that situation under control. Great. Um, from there. So uh, what happened to my job at the healthcare IT company was they ended up getting bought by a competitor. And things got kind of crazy over there. And it just um, it just wasn't the same place to work anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually got a call from a, uh, a headhunter, and uh, she told me, hey, you know, I've got this uh, implementations job, and, and you seem to have a, a good matching background for that. Are you interested? So I went over there and, and interviewed over there at this other healthcare IT company, mm-hmm. and then I ended up doing implementations work. Okay. Yeah. Did you like that? So then, yeah, this is, this is how I kind of evolved from finance in in the computer field Yeah. because, um, you know, I started off doing like Excel spreadsheet sort of stuff and, and really close to the numbers. And then it got more and more technical. So when I did the implementations work, 
that was kind of like a hybrid of of doing businessy sort of stuff where you know it's a little bit of project management uh you know gathering requirements sort of thing but right. then i also did like some coding in that there was uh uh, some need for application development and gave me some opportunities there to get some additional experience in writing computer software. That's great. Okay. So you were getting some good experience, mm-hmm. well-rounded and kind of, you did that for a few years and then tell me about your, your jump back to, to trade to finance or you know, as a prop trader. How did that happen? Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a so, winding road. This is so, a winding road. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out yeah, kind of what so got this you there. Is, this, is, this is like the, the craziest point in my whole life, what happened here, mm-hmm. is um, I got tired of doing the implementations work uh, because a lot of – there was a big element of it that was sort of a customer service sort of thing mm-hmm. where, you know, <laughs> customers would call you up and um, – and the thing that they needed to fix was really simple. You know, it's like, okay, I'll just send you a software update or something like that. Right. It started to feel a little repetitive after a while. Sure, there were bigger accounts that needed more attention, but uh, but I guess I guess I was getting a little bit bored with, with the with the job once I kind of mastered it. Fair. So I wanted to get more into the software development stuff, mm-hmm. and I started learning on my own time web application development. I picked up this platform called Ruby on Rails. Yep. And there was a company that was um, expanding its business and, um, and and they were doing this big Rails project. And uh, so I, I ditched my implementations job to go work at this uh, kind of a startup company. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, the, the way the manager pitched it to me is it was like a really good funded startup because they... We're going to do all this greenfield development, and uh, and they had the funding of it from from an umbrella company. Okay. Well, what happened was uh, I um, I I left my job uh, to go for this other company to do development work, and then there was like some type of I don't know what happened at the management of this company. But some falling out of some, of some sort uh, didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't give us the requirements and um, yeah, I ended up getting fired because the project just, it just was a no go. This never got started. And so I was, um, that's a learning moment, I was right? Out of a job. That's yeah. a learning yeah. moment. Not jumping before. Yeah. <laughs> you're sure. Setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was tough. Okay. So you left your job that you're getting bored at as data implementation. I get it. It was starting and repetitive, a little too easy for you. You wanted to develop, get your Ruby skills kind of more honed. Right. And so yeah. you saw this as a potential great jump. You jumped and then boom, there was no job. So tell me, what did you do next? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just jumped off of a cliff pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and then to, to compound my problems, uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. Oh, boy. And, um, yeah, the, the economy still wasn't that great. And, and I was still kind of lacking skills. I didn't want to go to implementations work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And I really wanted to do, um, do finance again. Yep. Uh, so, you know, all this, all this time while I was doing the computer work, um, I, I was still like following the market and, and, and doing stocks that, you know, looking at stocks and everything like that. And I have my own like portfolio that, um, that I was trying to build and had things like Google in it. 
uh, a few big companies. Yep. And I, I had this crazy idea. I noticed that uh, when under certain conditions, when a, um, a company reports earnings and it's really positive news, there's like a gap up in the stock price between uh, the close of the pre-earnings and the next day. Mm-hmm. And um, oftentimes, if you catch it early enough in this gap, uh, the, you could catch a few percentage points, uh, sometimes a lot of percentage points, as the stock opens the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a really crazy thing. Uh, it was the earnings season at the beginning of 2014, Yep. And I, I, I did this, I said, I'm going to try this. Like, like I, I had this, I figured out the conditions that this happened. And I, uh, I, I would put a, a lot of money on, on, on one stock or maybe two stocks at the open that I thought were going to pop mm-hmm. and, and then watch it just go. And this is based and, on earnings. This is based on trade right away. This is based on just the earn, earnings that have been released prior day. Yeah, just 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 based on the news event. So I uh, assume getting in quickly at the open was the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, uh, the the thing the advantage that you have as a, a retail trader is that you're actually small fish. You know, if if you're trading like even like a hundred thousand dollars, that that's like nothing. Yeah. In, in the stock market, because mm-hmm. you're they're with big institutional money managers that are trading millions of dollars. So right. you could make a trade that's like a hundred thousand dollars in and out and, and that's not going to affect that stock price overall very much. Right. Um so I was trying to uh ride the wave sort of, you know, doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh and the strategy actually works uh pretty well for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh and for like the first two weeks of 2014, I was making a lot of money. <laughs> so explain to me how much uh, were you how much were you putting up or at risk? You were just buying just this the the underlying the the equity. You weren't buying options, or were you doing anything? Like no, I, I was I was just doing equity. Okay, so <laughs> you're just buying the <laughs> so you're literally just buying the stock okay. at the open when it was a positive earnings announcement and it gapped up. It would gap up or usually gap up. Yeah, yeah, but but it, the chart had to be. It just had it had to have like the right look to it. You know, I, I got really much into the technical analysis, mm-hmm. and and there was just this thing about certain uh, setups where, where where the stock would look a certain way before the earnings announcement. I noticed like after it, like it how would do it this thing, how it led into a positive earnings announcement. So like if it if it was like slowly declining into the earnings announcement and it actually ended up being a positive earnings announcement it would be uh, or whatever no, it, i think it had more to do with um with the trading ranges like like it, it like it was if it started breaking out to new highs or something like that got it okay or or, or if there was some resistance on on the the price where we was starting to break above that like like there were certain key points i'd be Got working it. on the chart so very technical okay so it made sense so and that was yeah. work that was working for you so did it stop working at some point yeah, what happened was uh, uh, the earnings season ended, and I didn't have any setups anymore. Okay. So, so, so this is where I I really started to mess things up. But real quick, how much did you make that, in that period of time in that one earnings season? How much did you put at risk, and how much did you it, make? It, 
It was uh, I, I made I made about like ten thousand dollars. Okay, okay, something like that. Not bad. And, and and I thought, you know what? If I could keep doing this, uh, then I, I I could I could make a, enough money to be going for a while and and have all my expenses covered. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need that capital base uh, to so, trade with, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, so what happened was uh, then I started getting nervous because. You know, I have this family to take care of, uh, and uh, and just the psychological pressure of that got to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started looking for trades that weren't there. And, and, and another bad thing I did was uh, I joined a uh, trading chat room because <laughs> I wanted to learn more. Like, like that's just kind of how I am. Like, like it, if something's working, I want to learn everything that I can about it. Right. So. So I I found this this group of traders online in a chat room, and uh, I started trading with them. and And these guys they they were trading all sorts of like crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and and some of it like like some of them kind of worked for me, um, but basically what they did was they they looked for like market imbalances caused by like news events or something like that. And it was kind of similar to what I was doing with the earnings thing, but, but they were trading like all sorts of different types of things uh, and a lot of penny stocks too. Yep. And, and then, so um, I, I ended up getting, I ended up getting in a rut <laughs> and um, I, I was trying to force trades. I was making very badly thought ones because uh, I felt like the pressure to have a positive uh, P&L at the end of every single day because there's only 250 trading days a year. Mm-hmm. I want to make every single one of them count. And right. and you just can't approach like trading with that type of mindset. Yep. Uh, and, and so I really, uh, really messed up. So so I, lo- I lost my early winnings and, and then quite a bit more. Yeah. How much more? Uh, How did, much it more? didn't work out for me. How much more? Like 20,000 more? I, I don't even want to say. <laughs> okay, so it's a bad it's a bad situation. Um, you're kind of have a kid on the way. Yeah, it's you're, a bad situation. Yeah. You're trying to day trade. You're yeah. trying to find edge. You're trying to learn everything you can about it, and then you quickly realize that you're getting chewed up and spit out, um, or for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, yeah. What was your next move? I mean, this, were you? Well, I I conceded defeat, <laughs> uh, and then I started uh, looking for programming jobs again. Got it. Okay. And uh, so I, I was still studying the markets, and um, but then I was like, okay, I'm going to put on my job search too, and, and look for uh, look for a programming job. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, uh, during this entire time, uh, uh, one thing that I did that really helped improve my candidacy for another programming job was I was building stock scanning tools like crazy. Yep. Like, like that was uh, another thing that really helped me find interesting stock action. Was I built um, I, I built my own stock scanners in Ruby, and um, and and then like T- TD Ameritrade, they've got an API. Uh, I mm-hmm. connected to that. I even made a uh, a library for it that I open sourced. Uh, cool. So I had some impressive programming accomplishments that I was able to show when when I started searching for programming jobs again so you were trading so job, you were trading on your own for a while then yeah 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 so sometimes so you 
can you let's let's talk a little bit more about the psychology of that so like you had a lot of pressure do you feel like the intellectually it sounds like do you feel like there was uh, you had the the acumen to actually understand this stuff but just the psych the psychology aspect of trading was the hard part to master or was it just that you felt like you just couldn't find any edge like long term i i think it was all psychology really um i i think um as far as like finding market inefficiencies that you could profit from i think they're always there Mm-hmm. In fact, um, that we could get to this later that I, I found trades that work for me and, and I do it. I still do it mm-hmm. just not as aggressively and, and not on the same time frame. Yeah. Uh, but the problem for me was psychology. Um, you know, I, I was really concerned about my family mm-hmm. and, and, and that's just, money you uh, couldn't lose. So you're, you're, you're playing scared almost. Yeah, exactly. That that did everything to uh, to mess up the mindset that you need to uh, to be in a trade and uh, and execute it uh, logically. You know, to execute your plan. For sure, that makes sense. It's like poker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, so as I was in the right mindset, that's something very important that you need to know about trading. So in terms of, um, you, you know, you, you eventually were saying, okay, this is not going well. I'm going to just get back into software, get, get a stable salary again. Yeah. Right. Um, and so how long did that process take? You got back in any, any, you know, suggestions to the listeners in terms of if they're in finance, how to build up something, if they do want to make that transition over to, to, to software, or just feel like you had it for such a long time that it's hard to make that transition this late in the career. Uh, no, I, I think you can make that transition, um, especially uh, software development. Uh, I think that's a good, uh, that's a pretty easy field to transition into because you're very much uh, measured by what you could do as far as technical skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's one of the cool things about it that I really like about working in the software development industry is that uh, there's a lot less formality, you know, like, like bankers, a, a lot of that is like, they, they like to wear their suits and, and, and go hang out to, with one another and stuff like that. Yeah, it's uh, all more there, sales. There's a lot of like, yeah, there's all more sales. Yeah. And yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot of fitting into to the culture at, right. at the organization. But at, um, if, if you're in software development, you, you could be a real complete weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you can write really good code, they'll they'll respect you and and they'll they'll hire you. Weirdos so, welcome. Yep, for sure. Know, yeah. 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 Completely different <laughs> culture. Yeah. Very cool. I, I I go to work in in just uh just jeans and a t-shirt and uh, and some sneakers and that's how everybody dresses. Do you feel um, like and it's fun for people? Like, do you have any suggestions in terms of where people could start if they're thinking you know this finance thing isn't for me or maybe they're traders and they're not having success either. Yeah. Or maybe they're in banking and they want to have a different career change. Is there a place they should go to kind of get started? Well, I think one thing that I, one way that I'm kind of lucky is that I have an aptitude for working in computers. Um, mm-hmm. Just writing programming code is, uh, is something that is uh, kind of natural to me and I really enjoy doing it. Uh, I don't know if everybody would enjoy doing it as much because there's it's kind of dry i mean really i mean it, it, when you're typing stuff out some 
some people just don't like doing that type of work, uh, yeah. the technical aspects of it. But uh, if you do have the aptitude, I mean, like for me, I'm, I'm self-taught uh, and I've learned enough to uh, go into an interview and be able to, um, uh, to talk my way through a technical problem. But if you don't have that background, uh, one thing that might help is to do some coding schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of them are expensive, like, like some of them are like formal boot camps that last like 13 weeks or something like that. And they help and place you, right? Like .NET. And they help place you. Yeah, yeah that, that, those programs, they help place you too. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good way to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to do it is to, um, there's also online schools um, like you could learn front end development by just taking an online course. Yep. And I think the important thing is just building up a portfolio of things. Yep. Um, you know, be able to show some technical projects that you did and, and be able to, uh, write good code. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much, um, uh, very, very much just sharpening your technical skills to be able to make it. But, Great. I don't know. For, for somebody that, that, that's interested in that and doesn't know where to start, I'd probably recommend a boot camp. Cool. Well, Greenspud, mm-hmm. anything else you want to share before we call the pod in terms of career or, or advice you'd give to your younger self looking back? Um, well, for me, um, working on um, yeah, working Wall Street job was uh, it, it was the adventure that was fun for me. Uh, it didn't last forever, uh, but that's okay. You know, it's, uh, so it, it's a, it's fun work mm-hmm. and some people, they fit into it really well and they do that for a career. But you know, if, if you get into it and you do it for a while and you find out it's not a good fit for you, then that's okay. Uh, and, and you had quite a fun time and, uh, quite an experience. And you hopefully learned a lot too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.